Hey guys, welcome to the podcast, Seen, Known, and Loved. I'm Catherine, and I'm going to take you on a journey today of how much we are seen by God. Will you join me? Before we begin, let's say a quick prayer. God, we just thank you so much for how much you love us. I pray everyone listening knows that they are seen, known, and loved by you. You are El Roy, God who sees them. For the one right now who doesn't believe it, Lord, we just come against that lie in Jesus' name and pray, Lord God, (laughs) your word. You care for the birds of the air. How much more do you care for us, Lord? We love you, praise you, bless this time together. Let them receive your truth, Lord God, and let it multiply a blessing in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so thank you so much for joining me today. If you caught me in the last episode, we spoke on loved and how much we are loved by God. Today, we're going to talk about being seen. When we are seen by God, it can change everything. As we're ushering in the new year, 2024, we're a few weeks into January. Can you believe we made it? I just want to stop and say, Happy New Year. I hope that you had a wonderful Christmas, spending time with family and friends as we did, eating way too much food, the presents and the games, and I'm sure by now your tree is back in the attic until next year, right? I'm sure many of you are thinking about New Year's resolutions, and to sum it up, that one word means change. Whether you want to change the number on the scale, change habits, or change mindsets, there's only one lasting way that can be done. That's partnering with God and the Holy Spirit and allowing Him to bring the change in you. I want to bring you to the story of Zacchaeus, someone who experienced change in their life in a big way. I'm sure if you grew up in church, especially in the Baptists, shout out Baptists, (laughs) you heard some form of this song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree to see what he could see. So let's open our Bibles together and read the story of Zacchaeus. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. The first thing I want to point out is that when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Another way to say that is Zacchaeus was seen by God. Jesus, incarnate, God made flesh to walk among men. How amazing that God stopped to see Zacchaeus, who everyone else said was a sinner. God saw Zacchaeus. He didn't see him in his shame and his shortcomings. He wasn't judging him. He didn't see him as a tax collector or in his status. He saw him and knew deep down that there was good in Zacchaeus especially as Jesus got a hold of his heart. 
The next thing I want to point out is that when Jesus went to the house, you know that had to be an interesting lunch conversation. Zacchaeus was standing up and saying, Lord, here and now I give half of all my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay them back four times. Four times is a whole lot, but Jesus must have offered Zacchaeus something that money could never buy. That something is salvation, a changed life. The old is gone, the new has come, and that's what Jesus promises to do in our lives as we put our trust and faith in Him. You know, at this point in the story, I'm sure you're probably thinking, well, Catherine, that sounds great for Zacchaeus, but I've tried, and I don't seem to see the results that Zacchaeus saw. I try to change, but then I go back to my old ways, and it just seems so hard. I want to submit to you that sometimes victory is found in God seeing you, and then in wrestling in what you're believing God for. I've got some not-so-good news. The truth is that we will wrestle this side of heaven. We will wrestle our flesh against our spirit, but the good news is the one you feed more gets stronger. I love Jacob's story. You can find his story in Genesis 32. He's a man that wrestled for the blessing. You see, before the wrestling, he was known as Jacob, which meant deceiver or heel grabber. He is a twin, and when Esau, his twin brother, was born, he was born first, and Jacob was grabbing onto his heel. So, that's how he got the name. He also deceived his brother and stole his birthright from him and tricked him for a bowl of soup instead. He did not want to be known by his old identity any longer. He was about to confront his brother, who was not very happy with him, and he knew he needed to wrestle. So he wrestled till daybreak. It says in Genesis 32:27, the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he said. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So the angel of the Lord touched the socket of Jacob's hip, put it out of socket, and he blessed him. You see, he knew his inheritance as the grandson of Abraham. His circumstances told him differently. He knew that deep down, there had to be something more. Maybe that's how you feel today. Maybe you feel like life hasn't quite panned out the way you thought it would. You feel like change seems impossible. You feel like surely God doesn't see me, and if he does, oh goodness, the things he sees. No, God does see you, and he loves you. Now, I want to share a little bit of my story with you in hopes that it will encourage you. So my husband and I, we both grew up in church, but at the time we got married, neither one of us were serving the Lord. We had our first daughter, and then fast forward a few years later, When she was about one and a half, my sister-in-law took a turn for the worse with her chronic kidney disease. She had had a transplant, she was undergoing treatments, but just seemed to be getting worse. Hospice was called in and a celebration of life service was planned for her. I remember sitting there in the service, early 20s, taking it all in, and just not being able to even fathom that I could be in Jesus's arms in 24, 48 hours like my sister-in-law Michelle was going to be. 
And what I remember most, though, was such a peace. God gave Michelle such a peace during that time, and it was evident for all who came around her. Back to the service, what caught my attention next was my husband's uncle giving his testimony. He was sharing about the difference God made in his life as he knew he was seen and loved by God and put his faith and trust in Jesus and the way that God moved miraculously in his family. Well, (laughs) that really touched my heart and God used that to draw me to him. So I was down front surrendering my heart to the Lord at her service. And God did a 180 in my life. I started listening to Christian music, changed some of the friends that I used to hang out with. The old desires just kind of faded and new desires God put in my heart began to grow. My husband didn't quite recognize me at times. You see, God had changed my heart and now I wanted him to do the same in my family. We welcomed our second daughter into the world And about that time, we had found a local church to become a part of that we're still a part of today. Thank God for that. Like I said before, I just wanted my other half to know the hope that I had found in Jesus. He wasn't as gung-ho to hear about everything that God was doing in my life. So the Lord led me to small groups and led me to community of believers that join with me in prayer and believing God's promises over my life. One of the verses that I clung to over the years was Romans 4.20. Against all odds, Abraham did not waver in unbelief regarding the promises of God, but was strengthened, giving all glory to God, knowing he would do what he promised. We went through some struggles for sure and hardships, and this verse became a rock for me to stand on during those hard times. And I want to share some good news with you. God did get a hold of my husband's heart and change my husband's heart. And in 2020, God radically began restoring our marriage, our communication with one another, our friendship. And in January, we also got the opportunity to sign papers to franchise our first restaurant. The first thing I noticed when I walked into the restaurant to begin training to work alongside my husband was the verse on the chalkboard menu. You guessed it. It was Romans 4.20. Only God could have done that. And I know He wants to do that for you as well. I love that song by Maverick City, I Thank God. Part of the lyrics go, If He did it for me, He can do it for you. God is no respecter of persons. He does not show favoritism. He loves all His children. I've heard it said, if God had a refrigerator, my picture and your picture would be on it. And yes, we are his favorite. We spoke a little bit about being God's favorite and how God gave his one and only son last episode. And I've been awakened to the truth that without him, I can't do any good things, but in him, I can bear much fruit. And I thought I came up with the word Godfidence, but recently I saw it on my youngest daughter's cell phone cover. I love it, and feel free to take it as you wish. Instead of confidence, it's Godfidence. As you are seen by God, you begin to realize that it's less about you and more about Him. It takes the pressure off of you trying to change everything on your own, and you begin to allow Him to do it. And that's where lasting change comes in. So, as we're talking about Romans 4.20, I want to bring you to the story of Abraham. 
We can't help but talk about Abraham, right? The song, I am Abraham, and the Father, and you are one of them. And let's just praise the Lord. (laughs) Um, So I want to bring you to the story of Abraham and Sarai and Hagar. You see, Abraham was called to be uh, the father of many nations. He was called to a land that God would show him, and he would have descendants, and they would be great. So some time had passed. Abraham didn't see that promise coming about. So we pick up in Genesis 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said and slept with Hagar, and she conceived. Who needs to watch a soap opera when you got the Bible, right? Hagar, when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, You were responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows me, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Then Abram said, Your slave is in your hands, sister. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled. This is the part that I really want to focus on. So Hagar did not ask for her circumstances. She got thrown into them. She did not ask to have a son with Abram, but she ended up there, right? And so this is where it picks up, and it's so beautiful, the God who sees her. So the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was beside the road to Shur. He said to Hagar, Slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, Go back to your mistress, submit to her. Then the angel of the Lord added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. You are now pregnant. You'll give birth to a son. You'll name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. You know that woman was changed forever because she encountered the God who saw her. So she ended up going back, having the son, and she stayed there for several years. And then she ended up leaving for good. So when Abram was 99, God did bring about the promise. God declared his new name, Abraham, a father of many nations. And God gave Sarai the new name, Sarah, and blessed her. The promise did come about just as he had said it would. There are countless other stories in the Bible where people just like you and me were seen by God. We don't have time today, but... Please, in your free time, look up the woman with the issue of blood, the woman at the well. What about Peter walking on water and how Jesus was there and he saw Peter and reached out a hand when he was sinking? They were all seen by God. Will you position yourself today to lay down the doubts, the excuses of why you can't or aren't seen by God and receive the simple truth that you are seen by God? El Roy, God who sees you.
Are these people perfect? No, they're just taking Jesus by the hand and allowing him to lead the way. We may fall down sometimes, but he's right there to extend a loving hand to pick you back up. I pray this year that you fix your eyes on Jesus and know that you are seen, known, and loved by him. Thanks for tuning in with me today. If you enjoyed it, I hope that you found some encouragement here and maybe God brought a friend to mind that could use this message. Please feel free to share it with them. Some practical things that we can do to start off the year right is put God first. My pastor says, if you make this the best year spiritually, this could be the best year of your life. I love the verse in Matthew 6, 33. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as, as well. So that word righteousness, I know sometimes it can kind of freak us out and think, wow, that's really hard to get to, but it truly just means right living. And as you put God first, he will line things up in your life. Please hear me loud and clear. You do not have to get all your ducks in a row before you come to him. That is such a lie. The truth is when we come to Jesus, little by little, he'll work out those things in your life. Ultimately, he just wants you. He wants you, he loves you, and he's crazy about you. I love that Torin Wells song. Maybe when you finish listening to this, you can go and listen to that Torin Wells, He's Crazy About You song. Let it minister to your heart and receive the truth that he's crazy about you. Join me next time as we talk about known, how much we are known by God. Till then, take care and know that you are so seen, known, and loved more than you can imagine.